It's always great to uh, see your beautiful faces, uh, Church of the Facially Gifted, I like to think of us as, that, that's all of you people, Facially Gifted. Um, I, was, I, was, uh, I was quite surprised actually that no parents came up to get a crunchy for sending their kids off to school this week. Uh, I thought a few parents would have been celebrating that, I was like, yeah, crunchies, but no, that's all right, I was, I was waiting to see if anyone was going to jump up, but that's okay. Hey, as Robert said, this morning we're kicking off a three-part series out of the book of Colossians. And uh, as, as normal, uh, whenever you kind of dive into uh, Scripture and into a book uh, like Colossians, um, you, you, you kind of start to realize that you need like three months or six months uh, rather than three weeks. But we're going to see how we go uh, with three weeks um, in Colossians. And we're going to be uh, looking in chapter 1 uh, this morning, and more specifically at the prayer of Paul that he did, uh, that he made for the Colossians in verses 9 to 11. And, uh, you know, prayers, the, the Scripture is full of prayers. And uh, they're not just there for us to read and to enjoy, but they're there for us to learn from, I believe. Uh, they're there for us to look at and observe. And uh, one, one of the most, uh, you know, one of the most Pivotal prayers uh, in Scripture is when Jesus goes into the Garden of Gethsemane to pray. And we learn from seeing that uh, in the Garden of Gethsemane, we, le- we learn a little bit about the nature of Jesus' humanity. That Jesus came under so much pressure, that Jesus came under the sort of stress that we all come under, that we experience to the point where he wanted to quit. Where he said, God, Father, if it's possible, take, take this away from me. And so in that time of prayer, we learn something of Jesus' humanity. What we also see in that prayer is Jesus' persistent strength to obedience to the Father. Oh, how much of us like that word obedience? You're going to get a bit of that this morning. Obedience, we see Jesus' obedience to the Father. That Even under all that stress, he said, God, you know what? Let your will be done and not mine. In essence, Jesus was saying, God... Let your will be done, and let not my fear take over. And so we learn a lot from reading the prayers uh, that we see in Scripture, as we're going to see uh, in the prayer that Paul does this morning. And this morning we're going to be diving into uh, the prayer that Paul and Timothy pray for the Colossians, uh, to see what we can take away from uh, it in a message that I've called this morning, Lessons from a Prayer. There you go, nice and simple, message from a prayer. We're looking at a prayer to see what uh, we can come, what we can get out of it. And so in chapter one, uh, Paul starts off by introducing himself. Uh, Paul starts a lot of his letters that way. He introduces himself, and as uh, he often does, he gives thanks to God uh, for the believers. In this case, he's giving thanks to God for the Colossians, for the church in Colossae, and uh, for their faithfulness. And he introduces himself, himself, gives thanks. And then he writes in uh, Colossians 1, verses 9 through the 12. He says, For this reason, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask as you may, and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, pleasing to him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power. For all patience and long-suffering is another word we all love. Long-suffering with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers 
of the inheritance of the saints in the light. And so we're going to unpack this passage bit by bit. Um, But Paul is, uh, as we've heard, he's writing this prayer to the Colossians, and he's reminding them as he goes along uh, in the following verses that salvation is entirely the work of God, who has dramatically changed their uh, fate by rescuing them from sin. And so as he transitions from thanksgiving to his prayer, he says this in our first verse. He says, for this reason... The reason that he's talking about here is the faith and the hope that the church in Colossians have uh, in Jesus uh, and for their love for one another and for the saints, which uh, Paul mentions in verses 1 through to 8. He says, for that reason, oh, my laptop's going to do a, it's going to do an upgrade. It's upgrading. Ah, there we go. Let's hope it just keeps upgrading in the background. And so he says, for that reason, uh, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. And so Paul writes, uh, and he includes three key things for the Colossian church that he's praying for. Knowledge of God's will, knowledge of his will, or wisdom and spiritual understanding. And uh, these qualities that Paul is praying for, are not, they're not only helpful, but they are necessary and a part of becoming more Christ-like. And so out of this prayer, out of this one verse, our first key is to pray for knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. Pray for knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. Now let's just take stock for a minute. The last few times we've prayed to God to ask him for stuff, how often have we asked for wisdom, knowledge, and understanding? Now, if we're going to pray three things before we come to God with our wish lists uh, and with uh, all the stuff that we want him to do with us, I think these three things are a really good place to start. So we pray for knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. The knowledge of his will to see uh, God's will in our struggle? Can we believe that God has a will in our struggle? That in our hard times, God has a purpose in it? So pray for the knowledge of his will, to see his will in our struggle, to see his will in our joy. When stuff is going well for us, it's not so we can exalt ourselves in it. It's not so we can boast of what we've done, but God has a will and a purpose in our joy. And uh, in our need, to pray for God's will in our need. So the knowledge of his will, secondly, was all wisdom. The wisdom to discern three key things. When you're going through stuff, when your mind is battling with thoughts, is it God, is it the devil, or is it you who's speaking into your life? Who needs wisdom for that? To know, man, God, is this you? Is this the devil coming against me? Or is this just me being an egg? Pray for wisdom for that. And then finally, spiritual understanding. That ability to see things from a spiritual perspective. And you know, I believe that if we receive these things in prayer, then we will receive the insights that we need to see 
a whole lot of stuff in our life a little bit more clearly, with a little bit more of a sound mind, through the lens of hope, through the lens of God's grace, through the lens of God's power, through the lens of God's peace, and we can see those things with the confidence in our God. Amen? Jesus was well known for his wisdom. In Mark 6, verse 2, it says, And when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogues, and many hearing him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? And what wisdom is this which is given to him, that such mighty works are performed by his hands? Jesus was known for his wisdom. And as followers of Jesus, I believe that we too are to walk with godly wisdom in our lives. And so Paul's writing to the Colossians who, uh, the, the Colossians, the Colossian Christian, their faith was based on the power of God. And uh, here, Paul is urging them also uh, to have wisdom, uh, which comes from knowing God and which comes from God's Spirit. And so the challenge on this point for us this week is when we go out to pray to God in the coming days, before we pray for anything else, before we pray for any need, after giving thanks to God for all he's done for the air that we breathe, that we got to wake up in the morning, after giving thanks to him for who he is, pray for godly knowledge, pray for godly wisdom, and pray for godly understanding. Is that all right this morning? How are we all doing? Hey, that's one verse. Let's get to the next verse. I told you we're going to be in this book forever. So in verse 9, uh, Paul starts the prayer, uh, for his prayer for the Colossians, and then he expands uh, on that prayer in verse 10, explaining why he's praying those things, or why, uh, you know, in a sense, what can come out of that, of praying for those things. And it says in Colossians 1 verse 10, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. And so here Paul gives four reasons for praying how he's praying. Because Paul desires for the, Colossians, uh, for the Colossians to put actions, to have actions that match their beliefs. He desires uh, for their actions to match what they believe in God. That they would walk and act in faith as opposed to walking and acting in fear or intimidation or acting on other people's expectations. He's calling them to walk and act in faith, in the faith of their Savior. And so he wants their actions to match uh, their beliefs. Secondly, Paul wants uh, these beliefs to be fully pleasing to the Lord. And pleasing God includes believing in Him and living life uh, that it follows His teachings, that follows His words, that follows His instructions. To live in a way that reflects uh, what God has done in our lives, to live in a way that reflects what God is doing in our lives, and to live in a way that reflects what we believe is to come in our faith and in our journey with Jesus. And so Paul wants these believers to be fully pleasing uh, to God. Thirdly, Paul wants uh, these believers to be effective, productive, and godly in their spiritual growth. 
effective, productive, and godly in their spiritual growth. The, the, the idea of bearing fruit, uh, as he mentions in, in here, implies maturity. The idea of bearing fruit implies maturity. And in New Testament scripture, we often see that uh, fruit or the fruit is often linked to the Spirit. The fruits are linked to the Spirit. And this ties into uh, what Paul is praying for uh, in the growing spirituality and in understanding spiritual growth uh, for the Colossians. And so Paul longed for all of his followers and for all that uh, are kind of uh, hearing his teachings and, and those who are believing to grow maturely and to grow in maturity, which is an important part of our Christian walk. And then finally, Paul wants the Colossians to continue to learn more about their faith and the God they serve. You know, this knowledge of God that, that is mentioned here in verse 10 is slightly different to the knowledge of God's will, which is mentioned in verse 9. The knowledge of God involves learning the truth of the gospel and of Scripture. The knowledge of God comes from this. It's about learning who God is, learning about the character of God. And the knowledge of God's will is in a more general sense, includes the learning of how to apply this to our Christian this. So the knowledge of God in verse 10 is knowing is about knowing God's word, knowing God's character, knowing God's truth, and then the knowledge of his will is the application of God's character, God's truth, and God's word over your life in your daily walk. It's kind of taking this with you wherever you go. Knowing God, knowing God's will. It's kind of going, I know my God. And then as you're walking through and life beats you down, and life tries to take you out, you kind of go, hang on, I know my God. It's like when you're going through life and people say, you know what, you're useless, you're not worth anything, who do you think you are? Oh, hang on, I know my God. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I'm created in the image of the most high God. It's going and walking through life. And when everyone tells you, you're never going to make it, you're not going to do it, you go, hang on a minute, I can do all things through Christ Jesus, who is my God. Knowing your God and knowing his will go hand in hand. It's having the knowledge of God to walk in the will of God. And Paul, in this, uh, in, these, in this passage, in this prayer, is meaning to show that these two things of knowledge, these two aspects of knowledge, are clearly connected to one another. Connected and tied to one another. And so Paul's giving this message to the church in Colossae, and uh, I don't know about you, but I think that there's a very relevant message in there for us today. 
And so our second point this morning is to act to please God, be effective for God, and grow in God. And we're going to take those one by one. Act to please God. It's not about living, it's about living sacrificially and obediently for God and His purpose. Act to please God is not about working to earn your way. It's not about uh, works or it's not about doing things to get God's approval. It's about surrendering our lives to do what God is calling us to do. It's about submitting to who God is calling us to be. You know, in Romans 12 verse 1, it says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice. This is your life. Let your life be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Acting to please God is reflecting God in who we are, reflecting all that God's done for us. His love his grace, his forgiveness, reflecting God's justice, God's righteousness, and God's truth, and reflecting this hope of heaven that we have in our lives. Act to please God and be effective for God is about producing fruitfulness in the spirit. Fruitfulness in our lives that impacts not only us, but impacts uh, all of those who are around us, both spiritually and in the natural. And we're going to touch on the fruit um, again in our next point. But in John 15 verse 8, it says, when you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. And fruit, as I've said in the New Testament, is not talking about uh, it's not talking about producing much money or producing, producing much material stuff. Uh, it's referring to the fruit of the Holy Spirit. When you, when you produce much fruit, you are truly my disciples. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, humility, self-control. Awesome things to have. When you produce much fruit, you are my, my true disciples, and this brings glory to my Father. And to grow in God is about allowing God. Everyone say, allowing God. Uh, say, allowing God. It's about allowing God to do the transformational work in you. I know personally that God is continually doing a transformational work in me. I know how much that just annoys me sometimes. Anyone else get annoyed by God trying to do stuff? And it's like, come on, God, give us a break. And so with growing in God, it's about allowing ourselves to grow in him, know him, and be transformed by him. Humbling ourselves before God and allowing God to do those things that he has to do in us and that he has to do to us for us to grow. Even the stuff we don't like, like rebuking us. 
Who loves that from God? Like correcting us. Like changing us. But most importantly, it's allowing God to teach us and to reveal himself afresh to us and to grow in us. And so we act to please God by being in obedience. We be, be, be effective for God by being in the Spirit, and we grow in God by being active in relationship with Him. And then finally this morning in verse 11, uh, Paul prays that the Colossians may uh, be strengthened with all might according to His glorious power for all patience and long-suffering with joy. And so our final point this morning is to go in the power of God. I'm so glad I don't have to do that on my own. I'm so glad I have a God who is all-powerful, who sends His Spirit to help me through it. I'm so glad that we serve a God who will never put us through more than we can bear that we serve a God who is always there. And here Paul continues to pray for the Colossians, praying for them to receive the power of God. And he explains three things really in the, that, that God's power gives to the believer. And have a listen to these three and see if they're things that will be useful and helpful in your life. God's power gives endurance. That's the ability to withstand hardship without failing. That's the ability to withstand hardship and still have faith. Even have faith arise in hardship. You know, Romans 15 tells us that God is the God of endurance. It's a quality that all Christians need. And Paul is reminding the Colossians of this. God's power gives patience. And all the parents said, amen. Probably got a lot more patience now that the kids are back at school. But God's power gives patience, which is part of the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5 tells us what those fruits of the spirits are, of the Spirit are. And they are an essential part of Christian maturity. And then I love this one. God's power gives joy. Is there anyone here who could use a little bit of joy this morning? Come on, if that's you, I just want you, I'm gonna pray for joy right now. If you could use a little bit of joy this morning, I want you to just close your eyes. Actually, let's all close our eyes and I want you to lift your hands to God. Father God, we thank you that you are the God of endurance. We thank you that you are the God of peace. And we thank you that you are God who brings joy. Oh, Lord, I just pray right now into the lives of those who need to receive joy this morning. Father, that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you will move mightily in Jesus' name. Lord, to bring peace, to allow joy to arise. Father God, to allow faith to arise. Lord, we pray for the joy of the Lord to be our strength, 
Father, we pray for your joy to come mightily, Father, in a way that that uh, even pushes down, Father, that which might be uh, trying to hinder the joy that you've placed in our lives. And Father God, I just pray and believe in faith, Lord, that you will do it because you are the God who sees to it. So, Lord, will you just release joy over this place? Father, over the coming weeks, Father, we just pray that you would deposit a a flowing river of your joy. Lord, the joy of our salvation. Father, in Jesus' mighty name we pray. And everyone said, amen, amen. And so joy is a fruit of the Spirit. It's part of the fruit of the Spirit. And the cool thing about these fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, is that they're the clearest differentiation between a believer in God and people who aren't. When you go through the same struggle, the same issues, the same pandemic as everyone else in the world is going through, and for some reason there is joy, love, patience, peace, kindness still in your life, some people just don't get it. When the world is kind of going smacking you down and you come up and you've got faith that brings joy, love, peace, patience. You still talk to people like there's this love of God within you. Some people just don't get it. And so the fruit of the Spirit is Paul's encouraging the church to get into. I believe this is what he seeks that they would get that, that that we don't know why we might feel peace. We don't know why there's this patience underneath all this pressure, but we just know God. Knowing God so that we can know the will of God. It's knowing God, knowing God's character, knowing who God is, so that we can walk in the will of God, being everything that God has called us to be, filled with the fruit of the Spirit. Joy that withstands suffering. The sort of peace that people can't understand. because they don't know the giver of peace. And so Paul's praying for the power of God to come on the Colossian Christians for these three attributes. Endurance, that you'd have patience, that you'd find joy in long-suffering. And let's pray that over our lives and over the lives of our family and over the lives of our church for that same power to be with us, amen? And then as we close this morning, Paul writes in verse 13, he has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of his love. 
in whom we have redemption. Through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. You know, all creation is made through him, by him, and for him. And since it was his sacrifice that saved us from sin, we can have confidence of our eternal destiny in him and in Jesus, knowing that in him we are complete. Amen. So in this verse, Paul's referring to the rescue of Christians from the power of sin and death. In addition, Paul says uh, that God has transformed us from sinners bound by sin into new creations meant for heaven. I saw this phrase as I was doing uh, my study for this verse. One person writes this. He says, we're not merely protected from the penalty of sin. We are radically removed from it. When Jesus died on the cross, he didn't come and cover our sin. When Jesus died on the cross, he came and he took us out of the bondage of sin into new life. And so in verse 14, Paul concludes with a reminder of what Jesus has done and that that is what he's done. So this morning, if you're here and you don't know God, or if you're listening online and you're not following Jesus, I want to give you the opportunity to invite him into your heart this morning. Because this is what God, in his infinite love, did by sending his son Jesus. He provided redemption. Through Jesus' sacrifice, he provided a means for us to be forgiven of our sin. It's that forgiveness of sin which is at the heart of the gospel. And Hebrews 22 reminds us that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. And so Christ in shedding his blood set you free from that. And if you'd like to receive him this morning, just while every eye is closed and every head is bowed, I want you just to repeat this prayer after me. You say, dear Lord Jesus, I know that I am a sinner and need your forgiveness. I believe that you died for my sin. I turn away from my sin. I now invite you to come into my life. I want to trust you and follow you as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen. If you prayed that prayer this morning, I'd love to have a chat with you and uh, just, uh, you know, be able to support you in that journey. If you're listening online, send us an email, info at shoreelam.org.nz. Again, we'd just love to be able to get in touch and to journey with you uh, on this new journey that we're on. But why don't we stand this morning as we get ready to close uh, with a song.